This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Perfect. Parsha B'chul 5781. So this is a part of the Parsha that people really don't know much about, and that's okay. It's about the Arachim. And there's an entire Masechta about this, but it's one of those Masechtas that it's at the very, very end of the Dafyomi cycle by Kachim, and it's very difficult to do, especially because the ideas, the ideas that are involved are very, very hard to understand. So here's the idea. The Pasuk says, Chof Zayin, Pasuk Beis, Daber O Bnei Yisrael, Speak to Bnei Yisrael, Say to them, Ish, Kiyafli, Neder, Be'erkecha, Nefashos, La'ashem. A man articulates a vow, I did use an art school word for over here, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, using the value of the souls that you made. You're taking the value, Hashem sets the value of the person, of his soul, and he makes it, that's the idea behind it. Now, there are two ways that one could donate the value of a person to the base of Mikdash. There are two ways that a person could do that. The first is by saying, let's say, Demay Ploni lie. The value of this guy is on me. I want to give the value of such and such a person to the base major. That could be your own value. It could be your wife's value, your kid's value. It could be anyone's value. I want to give that value to the base of Mikdash. Now, when you do that, it goes based on how much that person would be sold as an Eved in the Shuk. If this person would be sold in the Shuk for you know, let's say $10,000, then you owe $10,000 to the base of Mikdash. If that person would be sold for $20,000, then you owe $20,000 to the base of Mikdash. That's the way it was going to be, and that's the demay, the value of every person. But this Parsha deals with something different. It deals with what's called the Erech of a person. Now, there is no translation to that word Erech. We'll see with Hirsch a little bit later, but the word Erech doesn't really have that way of translating. It means a designated value, based on context, a designated value that each person has based on their gender and their age. Men and women have a set value, but it doesn't make a difference if you're making $10 million a year or if you're making $1,000 a year. You have the same exact erech as long as the person is of the same age of you, same age as you, same gender as you, that's what it's going to be. This is, again, it's a different type of idea, and it's fixed by Hashem himself in the Torah, and that's the value that goes to the base of Mikdash. That is what the Arachan do. Rav Hirsch says that erech means to place things which belong together next to one another. That's what an erech is. It's almost like a comparison of one to the other. You can say it's phonetically, and this Rav does all the time along with the Malbim, it's phonetically similar to the word oreg, as in to weave. Aleph, resh, gimel is like ayin, resh, chaf. I realize they're different letters, but because they're phonetically similar, a gimel and a chaf are from the same gichak, etc., an aleph and an ayin are from achea, therefore they go together, and that's how you can translate words. Oreg means to weave. You take two parallel strings, you weave them together, and you come out with a beautiful shirt. So to Erech is to take two different things that are separate from one another, you put them together, and you come out with something that would be able to be compared. Now we use this word, Eina roch lecha. Where do we say that? Ein kerkecha. Shamalakeinu bolamazeh. We say that in the morning. Eina roch lecha. It's part of the song. Eina roch lecha, etc. Right? We also say, Lo ya'archena zahav. Nothing, even gold, can be compared to wisdom. So the word erech, 
really means to put things together, to really put it together. So erech nifashos, when we use it over here and compare, you know, using it for souls, it's an expression of value that the person represents. That's what it means in comparison to the other people around, not in comparison to what job he could take, etc., but in comparison to what the people are. That's what his value is. That's what it represents. And when dealing with the legal value of someone, we usually use the words dumin. That's used for kesef. He has a value, a legal value, something that goes through. But erech is literally an imagined value, something that's made up by a Kaddish Baruch in terms of the base of Mikdash, a fixed number that can never be changed, nothing to do with qualities. That's how we first puts it together, and that's where he gets the word from. The Barbanel says the values here are seemingly the same for every age because if the Kohanim had to evaluate every single person when a person gave their value to the base of Mikdash, that would be impossible. It would be impossible. There's too much. You'd spend too much time trying to figure out what his value is, his slave value is, and not enough time doing other things in the base of Mikdash. They didn't want to designate people's jobs just to do that all day long. And it might even get people upset or even jealous. Can you imagine? You think I'm only worth $10,000? I'm worth way more than $10,000. $10,000. For that reason, even though by the dumim of a person, that is what happens, right? But the erech, something like that, is made specifically so no one would be jealous, no one would get upset, everyone would accept whatever it is, and that's that. It also, it seems like strange, but the Abarbanel says we wouldn't use dumim because we're not horses and cows. And like horses and cows, the value is based on what kind of a horse and the, 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 the idea of what the horse is. We're not like that. Human beings can never be like that. We should never cheapen the human beings by saying that they have a certain value, that that's what they're valued at, and that's it. That shouldn't happen. So therefore, it should be a, an amount, period, that is your set donation of the base of and that's that. And thirdly, certain people would have a value that's just too high to designate. For example, a coin gobble. How would you evaluate somebody like, let's say somebody got up there and said, I want to give the erech of Bill Gates. I want to give the erech of Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. These are billionaires. What kind, they make billions every single year. What kind of a value? I'm sorry? That's their value. So in Dumim, you have that. But the Erech is, you can't evaluate that much. There's no way to give it. And then the people will be saying these words that are not going to come true. We're trying to make them come true. So therefore, the Abarbanel says, don't do anything different other than a set amount based on what happens over here. And that's that. Aye, but then there's different values for genders. There's different values for ages. Why are there any differences when it comes to that? Why aren't men and women equal along with all the ages from the age of one month until you're 100 years old? Why shouldn't it be the same? The answer is because obviously different people have different ideas, different arachin, based on where they are in their stage in life, and therefore that's not something to argue against. We're, we're going to say that that's going to be there. Now, the Ibn Ezra says typically a person would do this if he needs a Yeshua of some sort. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those, the, the Hasidim that goes to a Rebbe and puts down the money, but the Pidyon Nefesh, the redemption of a person's soul that one would give to a Rebbe, that idea is you put down the value of your soul. Ke'ilu, like here, Rebbe, take this. Says Ke'ilu, I'm being podem myself, redeeming myself. We don't have a base to make this anymore because we can't give a rachan. That would be the equation to it. Says the Ibn Ezra, that's what people would do if they need a Yeshua, they need a salvation. It's as if they're giving up their lives by paying for themselves, their child's life, whatever it is, to the base of Mikdash, saying, this is what our value is. Take it so that we can have a Yeshua, a salvation of some sort. That's the idea behind it. The value, says Ibn Ezra, is then given to the Bedek Habayis, 
not to bring korbanos, but for the upkeep of the Beis HaMikdash itself. And that's why non-Jews cannot do a rochen. I can give the erech of a non-Jew, but non-Jews cannot do it themselves because they're not, they don't give their, the, the, any donations to the Bedek of Eis. They can bring korbanos, but they don't do donations to the Bedek of Eis itself. The Rabbin of Achaya brings a medrash. If you do this, if you give your erech before me, says a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I will make it as if you sacrificed yourself to me. It's if you were makriv yourself to me on the, on, the, on the Mizbeach, you became a korban for me, says the Rabbin of Achaya. In that schus, you'll be saved from the depths of Gehenna. That's what he says. He brings down the Medjur and says it. It's a very chosh of parsha then. We're showing a person what they're willing to do, give themselves up to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and what they're willing to give as their value to the Beis HaMikdash to literally change their lives around. That's the idea the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says. The Chirush Rim says, it's simply put, this shows you how powerful money can be. Money can be used to redeem one's soul. Think about that for a second. You're not redeeming the person. It's the Erech shows. It's your soul that's getting redeemed by the money over here. Money is considered like, look, if I have money on me, I consider it like myself. I consider it almost like a part of myself. There's the stuff that I have in Haraya. We see people are willing to lose their lives over the money that they have on them. See, if a person comes up to me and says, give me your money or your life, there are people who would question it and say, I don't know. I don't know. They would be willing to almost give up their lives for the money that they have on them. That a person should give up every bit of money that they have, which if they value more than their life, if you find a person, says the Gemara Baruch Samachalov, who's Choshev, he thinks of his money more valuable than his life, if you find a person like that, then that person, you should give up your money to HaKadosh Baruch Apparently, there were people like that. Says the Chidush Arim, it's so valuable to them. It's mamish like their life. For them to give up their money to the base Semikdash means more than killing themselves for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's more than Mesiris Nefesh to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to be able to give up what they have. And that shows true atonement and what a person really needs for that. That's the Chidush Arim in his understanding of these coins. Now, the Sefer HaKinuch Mitzvah Shin Nun says that the reason for this mitzvah is that a person is only equal to malachim, he says, in his ability to speak. We're called a nefesh chaya. The Targumunculus over there, nefesh mamalala, that we're able to speak. If we lose that ability, we become like animals, says the Sefer Achinuch, which is why we have to be so careful to keep our word and never promise something that we cannot keep. So when it comes to arachin, we're careful. Only give this amount, not the full dumb, not the full value of a person. Give this amount, the value that we have set as a person, so that you don't break your word by promising more than you could actually give. By saying, I'm going to do this, and then not following up with it. We want you to have a certain amount. The Rabbeinu Ephraim even says, we, we, we dislike people making nidaram. Because we're afraid that they're going to break them. They're going to be over on lo yachel devaro, kechol yase, and ase and alosase. And if that happens, then the tochachos, all the muster that we just talked about at the end of Barsh Parshabuchukosai, and the Yisurin, the pain that's out in the world will come upon them. The Gemara in Shabbos Lamed Beis Mabez says, Chas v'shalom lo aleinu. The sin of Nidarim, promising something and not keeping it, causes either the children or the wife of a person to die. To make promises that you don't keep is the worst thing in the world. It's even asked by the Achronim there, why not the person himself? 
The answer is because eventually he may be able to keep this netter. But when a person promises and it's not happening, it just doesn't go, then over and over and over again, he could lose people that are close to him, not realizing what it is. The only time to make a netter is if you're trying to break down your Yetzirah by making you do something in a more zrizus fashion to promise I'm going to do this, that you know you're going to do it properly. But otherwise, Nidharam is the worst thing to do, the worst thing to be able to And that's why constantly you should hear the refrain of Bli Neder, Bli Neder, to be able to say it, that I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it or not, but Bli Neder, I'm going to do it. It's for this reason Then Nitziv says that the word Yafli is used over here. Yafli means it's a pella. It's a pella that we're allowed to do this mitzvah, says in Nitziv. HaKadosh Baruch who hates Nidarim. He doesn't want us to make Nidarim. Yaakov Avinu, however, made a neder after hearing what would happen to his children in Gullus. He knew that that's what he had to do, and therefore we're allowed, because of what Yaakov Avinu did, to do, and we're even asked to do, to make Nidarim in times of need. If this is something that we... We need to get involved with this. Is something that we have to do. Then a Kaddish Baruch who tells us, "Yes, you're allowed to do it," and even makes a mitzvah out of it of arachin. But this is something maybe even done in the times of Yonah by the non-Jews. Even they understood this concept of promising something and following through. And maybe that's the reason why these laws were placed right by the Tochacha, the Nidaran by the Tochacha, to tell you just be careful. We understand that people might get involved in Nidaran. But be careful. This is not something a person should do unless he's absolutely positive he's going to be able to keep. Hope I'm being clear about that. It's not for nothing that we do kol, <clears throat> kol nidre and Yom Kippur nights. Kol nidre is like this thing that everybody, even non-from Jews, have to make it to kol nidre. What in the world is kol nidre? Over an indarim? Over an indarim. But that's exactly it. That we make such a big deal after some before of Erev Rosh Hashanah, we get together and we're mater neder. We're mater neder. Some even mater charamim, right? And we're mater nedarim for this reason. That's how that's how strange it is and how powerful it is to be careful about making a neder in any which way. Now the Rashbam says the word yafli means to explain. The one making the neder should explain what he's making that neder for and how much he's promising to give, and that always makes it clearer to everybody. The Yelis HaShachar seems to say that the word yafli means you should say your erech vow out loud, and it doesn't work if you just think it in your head. If a person says to himself, Right? I just want to give it, but he doesn't say it out loud, then a rochin would not necessarily work. It's interesting. Tzedakah seems to work even if it's not in your head. There's a ktsos on this. In Simon Yud Beis, it says, by Kodshemiz Beach, it only works that way. That's the idea, right, where it can work inside that Kodshemiz Beach. But other hektashos have to be done out loud. And they ask on the ktsos, what about Tzedakah? What about Tzedakah? Right, Arochin seems to be that way, and that works, right? But there are some kashas on this. It, 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 it's, it's a strange one. So that's a ketos that everybody can look up on their own. There's an Asivas there as well. What's this Parsha doing here right after the Tokacha? What's it doing over here right after we go through all the muster that Klai Yisrael got for everything they did? All of a sudden, we're going to go through and we're going to tell you if you make an Erech of a person, then you have to give this amount and this amount. What's this doing over here? I would have thought, meaning, again, this is me, so it doesn't mean anything. I would have thought that this would be a perfect end of a Kukosai. Guys, if you do well, you're going to be rewarded. And if you do badly, you're going to be punished. And just end with that idea right at the very end. But don't worry, there's always chosavos. And end right there. Why are you putting the rochen here? 
the value of people here. If anything, put it earlier. We're talking about Parshas Bahar. We talk about Shemitah. We talk about Yovel. We talk about these ideas that people had together. So put Steyachuzah and all the other Parshas at the end of Echukosai. Throw it over there and then end with the Tokacha. Why is this over here? So there's a bunch of answers to this question. The Ramban says that Tokacha was given to Claudius on Harsinai so they would realize what might happen to them if they don't keep those mitzvahs properly. This was done in Harsinai for a reason, for a purpose. These laws of Steyachusa, Sodom Mikneh, the Alachus of Yov were also given at that time. And all the laws of Nidarim, of these Arachin, were put together for that reason. That's why this Parsha ends with Bahar Sinai, to tell you this was all on Har Sinai, purposely separating and yet putting them there to tell you the Tochacha was also given in Har Sinai. Because, yeah, there were issues, there were problems. Yes, they had to know what was going to happen to them if they did well and if they didn't do well. But that still doesn't explain why specifically here and not anywhere else. You could really put it anywhere. The Abarbanel says there are two reasons. Number one, this Sefer is Torah's Kohanim. And the Sefer of Torah's Kohanim includes all the laws that are necessary for the Kohanim, for them to be allowed with the base of Mikdash, anything like that. Therefore, since the money donated here was used for the base of Mikdash, and then later on, Steyachuza and all the other different things that are mentioned at the end of the Parsha are used for either the Kohanim or something to do with the base of Mikdash, therefore they were placed at the very end of the year at the end of Torah's Kohanim as a sort of sikum to the Sefer itself. But there's another reason, and it's an interesting idea behind it. It could be that these sins are what caused Gullus in the first place and what caused the Tochacha to come into the world misusing Yovel and Shemitah, not treating the land. Remember, this coming up year in Eretz Yisrael is a Shemitah year. Misusing Yovel and Shemitah and not dealing with those laws properly. And that goes into Arach. And there are also promises in a way that causes the Gullahs to come quicker. Says the Abarbanel, that's why we have to be so careful with our words and what we promise. Because when we don't do it properly, the result is disastrous. The curses that are one after the other, the 49 curses here, the 98 curses in Parshish Kisavo, that's what happens over here. The Shari Aron says they were not, although they were said in Harsina, this is an interesting call, they were not included in the bris. It's just sort of the opposite of how the Abarbanel put it. It's that they specifically were left out of the bris. The bris included everything that was written up until now. But these laws of Arachan are not included in the bris. And that's why it doesn't say Baini Uvein B'nei Yisrael. It's different. They have different halachos. Maybe that's because it's on the individual to do as opposed to Klau Yisrael. Though usually we say Klau Yisrael, Raven Zelazet. But that's the idea behind it. Now, there are others from that try to make like a whole like idea that goes through a Vayikra with this. For example, the Aznayim Torah, he says, all of Sefer Vayikra is about Kedushas Am Yisrael. We talk about the Kohanim. We talk about the Korbanos. We even say Kedoshim T.U. We're asking you to be holy. We're asking you to be holier than you normally would be. The whole Parsha, and then we even go into Kedushas Eretz Yisrael with Shemitah and Yovel, etc. and Parsha's Bahar. We're trying to speak about all these things. And of course, the Chagim, the, the holidays that we have of Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Roshani, Yom Kippur that we talk about in Parsha's Amor, they're all there to show you Kedushas Am Yisrael, Kedushas Eretz Yisrael, Kedusha that we have that goes all the way through. Now, if that's true, then finally, we can speak about the greatness of a Jew. We don't think of ourselves as such holy human beings. We consider ourselves often as just another person in this world. We look at, I mean, there are people that see themselves as cosmic specks of dust. 
That's all we are, right? Because when you look at it from a Kaddish Baruch Hu's perspective in an entire universe, who am I? What do I do? Why am I special? Why am I different from everybody else? Says the Aznaim Torah, that's exactly the point. At the end of Sefer Vayikra, even if you're not a Kohen, even if you're not Zoha to bring a Korban in the base of Mikdash, even if you're not ever going to be considered for the Kohen Gadol position, even if you can't put yourself in the position of Kedoshim to you, I'm not going to be able to be on that level of, of staying away from those things that I'm normally mutter to. If I can't do it, nonetheless, at the end of the day, you're still a Jew. And if you're still Jewish, you have an Erech. You have a value. You have something that's special. And you are equal to a Kohen Gadol who's your age, your gender. You're equal to him. That's the greatness of every single Yid. So as Nain Torah says, that's why we end off this Sefer with this. When people misunderstand that or misuse that, that's where the Tokha comes into play. Where that Musr comes into play and we say, you don't know what you are. You don't know what you are and therefore you're being punished. But you know who you are. You're equal to a Kohen Gadol. You're equal to a Melech. You're equal to Moshe Rabbeinu if you're his age. And in fact, you might even be worth more than Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was over the age of, he was, 100, he was 81 years old at this time. If you had a man between the age of 30 and 50, you had a person who was worth more than Moshe Rabbeinu if they gave Arachan. More. That's what we're telling a person. Don't underestimate your value. Don't underestimate your Kedusha. You are truly special in everything you do, and you have to believe that and know that. That's the entire part of what Arachan is supposed to be. Rav Hirsch continues this idea beautifully. He says, it's clear from the placement of the Parsha, it is not supplementary. This is not adding on to the Tochacha. That's not the idea behind it. If it was meant to be supplementary, like here's another law that we'll just throw in, it would have been earlier by Yovel and Shemitah. But it's not. It's purposely placed after the Tochacha. Why? Why is it doing it this way? Says Reverse. Not once do we suggest that Kohanim should bring gifts to make themselves holier people. Never does the Torah suggest that giving a gift is going to make you a proper atonement. Now remember this. A chatos and an asham, a korban that you bring as a kapara, is a chiyah from a Baruch But it's not telling you, give extra money and buy a bigger cow and you'll get a bigger atonement. It's simply put, not true. Even the donations to the Mishkan, everybody was asked to give. Were they forced to give? Did anybody go up to them and say, you have to give? Now, again, there are Rishonim that say that there were memashkin, people weren't giving. But was everybody forced to give a certain amount because that was their atonement? No. If anything, it was because that was the mitzvah. That no one's forced to give in order to achieve their proper, their level. And you know what? Even if it is for an atonement, does that make you into a better person necessarily? Giving more tzedakah than another person? Have you seen it in your lives? That someone, because they gave tzedakah, they made themselves better than anyone else? Do you know people that became better people because they gave tzedakah? I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. Maybe there are people that are like that. But the way the reverse says it is, that's never a requirement from the Torah. It was never a requirement to give and therefore the result will be that you will become better. Never does it say that. Kohanim complete their mission in this world. And therefore, B'nai Yisrael should also complete their mission in this world by morally upholding, I'm quoting Rav Hirsch, morally upholding what they have to do to act with truth, 
with justice, to act within the social order, to make sure that everybody's doing the right thing, to have clarity of thought. That's what they're told to do. But to give gifts, we never ask a person to do that. For that reason, this is something different. After we give you the bris, the tochako, which says, here's the things that you have to do. Now we bring up arochen, which is things that you're allowed to do. That's the reason why it's put separately. And maybe that's the pshat. It's what we said before. The Ramban says it was placed at the end because it's not like the others. Maybe it's different. Maybe it is different. And that difference is, it's never a requirement to force a person to give. You have a chiv of a mitzvah of tzedakah. But never is that required in order to become a better person. We're not asking that of you. That's not your greatness. Your greatness is in working on yourself as a person, not necessarily in giving tremendous, lavish gifts to other people. That's the idea behind it. The shock says that you might think, after reading the Tokacha, that a Kaddish Baruch wasn't makshiv anyone. He looked at the people and he's like, you guys are pieces of garbage. You guys are doing nothing. You might as well have been wasting your lives the whole time. I wish you never would have been born. How could you have done this to me? Maybe that's the way a Kaddish Baruch was looking after everything was said and done. This Parsha tells us, don't worry. You still have an intrinsic value and a worth more than anyone else in this world. And for that reason, there's an idea from the Mechilta. If there fell from you many, says the Gemara, if so, the Mechilta, I'm sorry, if someone falls from Klai, so one person, it's considered like a rov. It's considered like many people have fallen. See, we're going crazy now because of what happened in Miron, right? Because of the 45 lives lost and all the people that were injured, and we're right to. It doesn't always go this way, but it should be that way even if just one person passed away. We should be going crazy over one person. Is the idea over here. And that's the idea. The tochacha is there to cleanse you, to get rid of those issues, to make your body feel a little bit cleaner in that way. But our idea is to recognize your own self-worth, to recognize who you are as a person, how great you truly are, how great you really are as a person. Because it's true. That's the idea that they're trying to say over here, and that's that. And the Vidas says the entire thing. The dire prediction of the tochacha might have made people give up and say, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to fulfill what HaKadosh Baruch wants me to fulfill. What's going to be my point? And that's the idea. Never give up. No matter how low you get, no matter how garbage you are. Can you imagine this guy who does absolutely nothing with his life? He's sitting there doing nothing. Doing nothing. He's still worth something. He's still worth something. You will, that's the idea. The way that Tom Vidas Rosh says it is you will never be asked to do more than what you can do. And for that, you have a perfect value. There's something there. Let's go back for something. We already said that a person should make a neder at a time of pain. We mentioned Yaakov Avinu. That Yaakov Avinu did it when he saw his children were going to be in Gullus from the dream of the ladder and the malachim climbing up and down the ladder. He made a neder. He made a neder and he said, at a time of pain, I'm not... I, I'm going to give up what I have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm going to do miser. I'm going to give a tenth of my stuff. I'm going to give it over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, etc. Okay? The difference between us and Yaakov Avinu is that Yaakovinu never messed up. He continued doing positive things after he made that promise, always kept going up, while we sinned and caused ourselves to have gullus by breaking our promises and our vows and not being able to do what we said we were going to do. The Balaturim, for that reason, puts together all the number, numbers of the Arachim. You add up all the numbers here of the different people, and he comes out with the number of 143 Shkallim. Listen to this Kliyakar, the Balaturim, I'm sorry. 143 Shkallim. To be Mechaper, 
for the 45 curses in Bechukosai and 98 curses in Parshas Kisavo. 98 plus 45 is 143. That was a very hard math number, right? Because, fine. But that's 143. 143 coins for 143 curses. Ki'ilu, every coin mentioned here by Rochen is to be machaper for one of the curses. Therefore, there was something positive that came out of this. The Chidah even adds to this. The Chidah says, if you look at the Sofei Tevis of the Avos, Avraham is a Mem, Yitzchak is a Kuf, Yaakov is a Bez, Kuf, Mem, Bez is 142, using that Schus Avos and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is a positive way of adding on Kola, I want to add on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is 143 for the same idea. The end, get it? The Mem, the Kuf, and the Bez. The end of Schus Avos is for us to be able to let us survive. The end is there for us to be able to survive and for everything to work out well. Right? The idea behind this. Now, what's the problem with this? It's a pretty obvious problem. How many curses are there in Parshat B'chukosai? I told you before, there are 49. <laughs> and the Kliyakar, quoting the Balaturim, and the Chidah, all say 45. Now, 45 plus 98 works out with 143. 49 plus 98 is, come on, quick, you can do this, 100 and... 47. That's great, but that doesn't help us much, does it? What do we do with something like that? Yes, that's the number of the years of Yaakov Avinu's life, but what in the world happens over here? How could, I, I don't want to say it this way, how could the Balatur mess up like that? It's well known that it's seven sets of seven curses each. That's the whole point. It was seven sets, seven levels, so to speak, of seven curses each. Seven times seven is, quick, 49, very good. You got 49 and not 45. So how does that happen? So the Pardis Yosef speaks about this, that Teres Adar also speaks about it, in, not Teres Adar, in, um, in the Balaturim itself. He says, although it's weird, it could be that out of the 49 curses, 45 applied individuals, and four of them are for Klau Yisrael as a whole. Do you hear that? It's 49 45 for individuals and four every, at the very end. The four at the end are, I have it over here, Venasati Esorechem, I will make your cities and destroy it, etc. Hurban Arim, there's the destruction of the different cities. Shimemasa Mikdash and Lo Ariach Korbanchem. Since that's written in plural and it's meant for the people at large, maybe that's not included. There's only 45 plus 98 for individuals. And these shkalim are machapar for the individuals, not for the klal. And therefore you have 143 altogether. Maybe that's why it's 45 and not 49. But altogether, I think it's a great question. This is a solid question. Why, I, I don't even get it. Like the Kliyakar didn't even mention it. And the Kliyakar elsewhere mentions there are 49 curses in Parshas Bechukosai and just quotes this Balachorim. Again, it's the tour. This is not someone that we can just get up there and say like, oh, you might have made a mistake. It's the tour. It's Rabbi Yaakov Balaturim, the son of the rush. This is not just a random person. I wouldn't say that about anybody, but let alone the one who wrote the Arba Turim. I think we're good with what he says. I just don't understand it. Where you get 45 out of 49, I don't have an answer for it. Okay, a couple others over here, everybody. Ramosha Feinstein says in Kol Ram, he asks why the tocha is between all the parshos of Bahar and Bechukosa, which seem to be connected to one another. And then asks Bechlau, why do you need two separate parshos of tocha? You have one in Bechukosai, one later in Kisavo at the end of 40 years. Why do you have one here and you have one there? And he said this. He said, there was a bris made here. 
A bris is a covenant. A, a bris is a deal. A shaking hands deal made with Klau Yisrael for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What would we need before entering Eretz Yisrael and getting into our next stage of life? What does B'nai Yisrael need for that? And I'm telling you right now, this is a great, I guess, a segue into what we need to get into that next stage of life. Where do we need to go to get to that? We're all moving to Eretz Yisrael. Mashiach is here. The base of Mikdash is being rebuilt. What do we need for that to happen? He says, we know from all over Tanakh that a Kaddish Baruch Hu does not need or want our korbanos. The korbanos were made by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I mean, the Rambam has his opinion, which we mentioned before, but as a mitzvah for us to do as a chok. But it's not about the korbanos. Yeshaya goes crazy about this. If you've been in my Navi share for the past couple weeks, and Yeshaya, toward the very end, Nun Hei Nun Vav, in the Prakhi Nun Hei Nun Vav, in the beginning, in Bez, Aleph, Bez, Gimel, he goes crazy about the people bringing korbanos, thinking that's what we're supposed to do. It's not about bringing a korban. He even says, bringing a korban to me when you're doing it for the wrong reasons is literally like killing a person. It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't need your animals. Lama li rov zivchechem yomar Hashem. Baruch Hu's like, I don't need these korbanos. That's not the point of what it is. We bring korbanos because we're supposed to be getting closer to Hashem. As a timeout, and I don't mean to say it this way, I, 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 I don't, because I'm also at fault with this. I don't need your tefillos, says a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You wake up in the morning and you feel like you have to daven. I, I don't need your davening. I'm not doing it to force you out of bed in the morning. That's not the point of davening. If you're going to davening and you're just throwing it on and just standing there like, oh, like that, and doing your davening deal, and you've been doing it for 30, 40 years, Akash Baruch Hu looks at that and says the same thing. Lama li rot filosechem, Yomar Hashem. And again, I'm at the same fault as everybody else. The point of davening is not to make a burden upon people. The point of davening is to be able to speak to Akash Baruch Hu, to give you the opportunity to say what you need to do. That's what it's supposed to be. The concept of our rachin is just like that. The whole point of it is to give yourself up to Hashem. To literally give your value to Hashem and say, here it is. Be willing to sacrifice yourself, everything you have, for what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. But since we can't do that, because Hashem doesn't allow us to die on our own, we can't commit suicide to live for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, therefore we do this instead. This is what we do more than anything else. You want to connect. Who here doesn't want to connect? Who here doesn't want to have a tefillah that allows us to connect to a Kaddish Baruch Hu as if we're mamish fully on with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We have a direct connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We, we want that so badly. We want it so badly we do anything to happen. But there are limitations to such a thing. There's limitations to the Kedusha that we can handle in this world and what we are able to do. So of course you want to give yourself. And of course you want to do everything possible to make yourself into the person, into the person who has a connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu more than anything else. But it can't be about you. It's got to be about your connection with Hashem and your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's why it's got to be repeated within the Tochacha as well. There's a fine line here, says Rav Moshe. The fine line is to give to Hashem because He wants us to give. And yet... To give to Hashem because it's something for us. But at the same time, it can't be for us. It's got to be because it's the right thing to do. There's a fine line here. And everybody has to figure out on their own what it means to sacrifice and give oneself up and literally do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do without 
feeling like we're stifling ourselves and without making it seem like we're forcing ourselves to do something that we don't want to do. What does that mean for every person? I don't know. I can't tell you to stop davening until you're ready to start davening again. I'm not good enough to do that. I would tell you to make a different type of davening until you get there. I think COVID was a great example of getting yourself back into davening without davening, right, in a minion. That was a great example of like waiting to get there. But I know, and we all know, it didn't help completely. It's a suggestion. And it's something that everybody has to think for themselves. What do they want to do to make everything happen properly, to make it happen in a good way? The Meloa Omer says something weird about the words Dovar and Vyamarta, but I'm going to bring down from Rabbi Lazar Ashkenazi. After all these curses mentioned earlier, after everything we've been through as a nation, as a people, it's 2021, it's 5781. We've been through Gehenna and back many, many times over as a people. If we still remain trustworthy Jews who believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and continue to do mitzvos, that's our value. That is our value, and that's why it's put after the Tolkachot. That's Rebbe Lazar Ashkenazi, and that really is a nice sikum to everything that we mentioned up above, and I idea of what it means. To that, the Me'ashiloach, the Ishbitzer, ends on a really good note. If a man is willing to be punished so harshly just for being over on a mitzvah of Hashem, possibly even a diktuke mitzvah, like not doing it besimcha, I didn't do mitzvahs besimcha, and therefore he's going to be punished so badly, lose his grain, lose his life, lose everything, because of one mitzvah, then he is much greater than we think he is, and that person can make a pidyon nefesh for himself, even with his money, to show his value. And here's what he says. There are four pidyonos mentioned over here. He says, one's house, one's field, one's self, and one's animal. Those are the four parshios at the end of Parshas B'chukosai. Selling your house, bringing it or donating it as a cherem to a Baruch Hu. Your field, stay achuza. Yourself, that's a rochin. And finally, Pidyon Meister Behema, giving of your animals to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, there are four times that the word Sheva, as in the seven times over, the seven curse, is mentioned in the Tochacha, which refers to times when Hashem is midaktik kichut hasayr. He looks deep into a person and sees what they deserve and how they're in trouble, what they did wrong. Not only that, the idea is the HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you four different types of redemptions to combat those four times of anger. Something you can do by yourself. You can do it simply for someone else if they're not able. I feel bad for, I don't know, for Gabe. So I say, like, you know what? I'm going to give the Erech of Gabe and I'm going to say, I'm giving this to the Beis HaMikdash. She doesn't even know about it. But I'm going to give that Erech, that value to the Beis HaMikdash and however much it is, I'm going to give that amount give it straight to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and allow that to be a kapara for Gabe without him even knowing it, just by donating. And that works as if I just sacrificed Gabe as a korban on the Mizbeach itself. What's super interesting, right, is that here there are technically 33 psukim in the parsha of Arachim, not including the first pasuk, which is Hashem speaking to Moshe, and the last pasuk, which is going over the entire Sefer of Ayikra. 33 psukim. There are 33 psukim in the Tochacha as well, says the Ishpitzer, says the Me'ashiloach. To tell you that each pasuk here is connected one of those to give you a complete pidyon. Remember how we said before, 143 shkalim for the 143 curses? 
every single person, every single pasik, every single coin is accounted for. And all our job is, what our job is to do, is to recognize how we should be po to ourselves, how we can redeem ourselves. It can happen through our rachim, by giving out money. It can happen by giving even more, like our houses, our fields, our animals, etc. It can happen just by simply looking at ourselves and saying, how do we need to improve in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch What do I need to do to become a better person? That's what the Parsha of Arachan is all about. When we figure that out and recognize our worth and know what we are as people, the guarantee is that a Kaddish Baruch is going to show us the next level and how to get ourselves to that next level to bring ourselves to walk into the base of Mikdash and understand what Korbanos really are, to dive into a Kaddish Baruch and recognize what our tefillah really is and to know and understand this isn't just Am. This is a Kaddish Baruch giving us a warning. Do this or else chas v'shalom, you're missing out on everything that I have in store for you. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbat.